1: Happy Friday morning! Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host Raymond Parts the Third, the Big Bald, the Beautiful One. I'm joined here in the studios by the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. Got a great show lined up for you today. Going to close out the week strong. We got four really good guests. I just I'm not, I'm not saying that just because it's Friday. I'm not just saying that to try to make you stick around and listen to when they come on. No, no, they're actually really good. James Yasko, our buddy, from the Lehman Time Time podcast, will join us talking all things Astros. That'll be coming up an hour from right now at 7 o'clock. Mike Dettillier will help us put a bow on the NFL draft when the college and pro football analyst joins us at 7.30. Nick Fondo returns for cashing tickets he'll give you his thoughts projections bets if you will for the NBA playoff action this weekend and of course Saturday's Kentucky Derby and then Bob Nightingale award-winning columnist reporter covering Major League Baseball for USA Today will join us about what's going on in the big leagues so we got four really good guests lined up for you today here in RP3 and Company. Of course, we'd love to take your phone calls. Hotline is open as always 337 706 0111. That's 337 706 0111. Hannah Five Names is here, which is a surprise. Not going to lie to you, surprise. Surprise that you made it to work today. Pleasantly surprised. Glad you're here. Glad you're here working. Because after you sent the photo (laughs) of what you were drinking on Cinco de Mayo, my first response to that was what?
2: Ha ha, ridiculous. Uh, uh, Actually, that was part of it. First response. The
1: first response was that looks ridiculous. The second response was don't come to work hungover. Yeah, that was the second one because you were drinking a margarita (laughs) the size of a volleyball. (laughs) Five names was celebrating Cinco de Mayo <laughs> in
2: style.
3: Yep.
1: I was like, at first I was like, oh that's cool, and then the, my next part was, oh god, yep. I'm gonna have to do the show by myself on Friday morning. That's <laughs> what I thought.
2: I'm actually very much, am I okay? Am I really alive? In like, am I sleepy a little bit? Because not only did we have uh, a wonderful time at the uh, restaurant um my best friend stayed at the house and her and the fiance said we're watching the greatest showman now so that was great she late nights it. was not a good idea mixed with good mornings but it's fine but i am not hung over at all i am peachy keen i am alive and awake
1: alive and awake just a little tired
2: yep don't worry i got a coke though coke's gonna help me wake up i said i can't do this show without doing a having a coke <laughs>
1: Not hungover, just really tired. Yeah. A nap will be in your future this afternoon. Oh
2: yeah, there's walking, there's, there's eating lunch, walking the dog, nap, and Till Kenneth gets home, and wakes me up because <laughs> I will probably sleep till he gets home. Because why not?
1: Why not? And I mean, just look at that. Like the the thing is the size of your head. Five days. It's,
2: it's even bigger the, than the, my hand. The
1: the margarita you're drinking was larger than your head. Yeah. Shout out to you for enjoying Seiko DeMaio. Yeah, and I didn't shout know. out to you for being an adult mm-hmm. and still showing up to work the next day. Boom. A lot of people wouldn't do that proud of you.
2: Thank you. Proud I worry you. about my friend, I worry about her, but it's fine. She's asleep on my couch now.
1: <laughs> I don't care about your friend right now. <laughs> she, the the, she, the she only luckily thing I cared fine. about. The only thing I cared about was you showing up for work. That's yep. the only thing I'm I cared here and about. I am
2: awake. I woke her up even when I left this morning. She goes, You were awake. Yes. Yes, I am. I have work to do.
1: I have to deal with the shenanigans of RP3. I don't have time for all of this.
2: No. Nope.
1: <sighs> Glad you're here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for being here. I can, <laughs> I, can, I can breathe a sigh of relief now. You know who else can breathe a sigh of relief this morning? Who? Ryan Presley. Why is that? Came back from the IL and then gave up two runs in the top of the ninth. And, yes, last night's game between the Tigers and the Houston Astros – And it looked like that winning streak was about to be snapped and all the momentum that the Strohs had been building was going to disappear. Altuve and rookie Jeremy Pena, Pena who continues just to tear it up, both hit solo shots in the 3-2 victory. But they're in the top of the ninth. Presley, first game back from the IL, by the way. Was not a good return to the lineup. Or rather, to the game. Because he came in to close out the game and blew a save in his return from the injured list. Astros led 2-0 with two outs in the ninth when Presley gave up a single to Mr. 3000, Miguel Cabrera. And then Candelero's two-strike shot to the second deck in right field, tied it up at two apiece. So huh. you give up it, the, then you give up the two-run jack. And I could just hear the frustration, the anger coming from the Scott area, the home of Kevin Foote. I could just feel it. <laughs> When I saw that, I'm, wa- I'm watching a little bit of it on my phone and I'm seeing it and I'm like, oh, he gave up the hit to Miggy, and then he gave up the two-run jack and I'm like, oh, I didn't even bother to text Kevin. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to check to see how he's doing. And, you know, Presley's their guy. He's their closer. But then, Stroh's came back. Now, they wasted a tremendous performance by Jose Acuti, who only allowed six hits over six scoreless innings. So that was a great performance just wasted because Presley blew the save. But it didn't matter. Because his teammates bailed him out. That's always a sign of a great team. And the Astros are a great team. A sign of a great team is when when someone on the team struggles. Falls short of the glory, so to speak. Puts the team in a bad spot. Somebody else steps up. And says, we got this. And that was Kyle Tucker. Tucker has been really good for this team. And he gets the single in the ninth inning. And... Not only did Tucker bail out Presley, he bailed out out the big fella, Jordan Alvarez. Because Alvarez had a base running gaffe in the same inning. So not only does Presley blow the save in the top of the ninth by giving up the hit to Miggy and then giving up the two run jack. (laughs) Then you have to deal with Alvarez. And, and, and Alvarez, in the bottom of the ninth, he gets on with a single off of Soto. No outs in the ninth. And he hits the wall in left center. But Alvarez thought it was a home run. He thought it was a home run. I just Once again, I'm watching this go, and I'm like, oh, someone check on foot. Footsie's not happy. Fo- Footsie's, like, just screaming at his team for that gaffe. He remained in the actual batter's box, watching the ball before hustling to first base. So what could have easily been a double, at least, well, he's kind of a big fellow, so yeah, it probably would have been a double. He only gets a single, and they have to bring in McCormick to pinch run for him. Credit Alvarez, he immediately went up to Dusty Baker afterwards. As soon as it happened, as soon as he came into the dugout, after McCormick came in to pinch run for him, he apologized to Dusty Baker because he knew he screwed up. Wanted to watch that home run. That wasn't a home run, he hit the wall there, Ace. But in spite of Presley blowing the save, and in spite of Jordan Alvarez not running the bases like he should have, instead of watching his home run, that he thought was a game winning home run, he could have been on second, putting the winning run on second. But it didn't matter. Yuli Guriel draws the walk. That puts two runners on, and then Tucker comes in. Singles the ground ball right to center field. McCormick scores, fourth straight win. For the Strohs. That's how it works. Great teams, especially great teams that have this level of talent, this caliber of player, that are this deep. Not only were they able to overcome not one but two gaffes, they were able to uh, overcome just not one gaff but two. This is what great teams do. They pick each other up. 3-2 win for the Strohs. They improve to 15 and 11 on the season. Now six and four at home. Of course, they'll play yet again against Detroit and their former skipper, A.J. Hinch, tonight from Minute Maid Ballpark. First pitch will be at 7 10. And you can listen to that game, of course, on our sister station right across the hallway. News Talk 98.5 FM. But that wasn't the only thing to talk about last night in Major League Baseball. Yeah, great bottom of the ninth walk-off win for the shows after they nearly blew the game and gave away a great performance by Jose. I hate to give credit to the New York Mets. As a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan, I hate to give them credit for anything. But... Credit the Mets for making Major League Baseball history last night. The Mets erased a six-run deficit in the ninth inning. Yes, a six-run deficit in the ninth inning to beat the Phillies 8-7. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, the comeback win ended a string of 857 consecutive losses by Major League Baseball clubs when trailing by six runs or more in the ninth. So it's it's usually game over. You enter the final frame of a baseball game, you enter the ninth inning, and you're down by six runs or more, it's over. But the Mets found a way to take advantage of the Phillies who... I just don't understand Philadelphia, but that's a discussion for another day. How do you give up a How do you give up a six run lead in the ninth inning? That is a meltdown. Credit the Mets for keeping the faith and keeping it going to pull out that win to take down Philly after trailing six runs in the in the ninth inning. But a lot of that has to go to Philadelphia for wetting themselves and not knowing how to stop. That's really not a mentally strong baseball team right there. You have that type of advantage against a division rival. I think it says a lot about the Mets. The Mets are really good so far this season. They're not ran very well, but they're playing well. The Mets are playing well in spite of ownership. Let's put it that way. The Phillies. Yeah, once again, in case you hadn't heard, comeback win ended a string of 857 consecutive losses by Major League Baseball clubs when they trailed by six runs or more in the ninth inning. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. want to give us a call on the hotline it's open love to hear from you 337-706-0111 that's 337-706-0111 you're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station
0: do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has think again There was Little Veinant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD,
1: which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo.
0: Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, RP3. right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Lake Charles, Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday? Turning during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you'll have a shot at even a bigger payoff. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME, that's 1037GAME, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Availability does vary by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Let's talk a little bit more about these NBA playoffs. You get the weird scheduling where the last games we had were game twos between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. It was Miami and Philly. Well, they're now up again instead of the other series getting together for game three. Those won't happen until Saturday. This is the, the NBA always does this, always confuses me. I, I just don't understand why they just don't keep it the way they should. But I digress. One One team, one series is going to get another extra day off. I'm not, I don't understand these things. But NBA playoff action will get back on the hardwood tonight. They took Cinco de Mayo off. They're enjoying those volleyball-sized margaritas like Hannah Five names was yesterday. And it'll be Suns, Mavs, and it'll be Heat 76ers. Both Miami and Phoenix, who are the one seeds in the Eastern and Western Conference, are up two games to nothing. So if the Mavs or the 76ers want to have any chance whatsoever, whatsoever to extend this series they have to win game three there's 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 no other option for them they have to win game three tonight because you go down 3-0 it's game over it just nine times out of ten it's it's over and we've already established that both Miami and Phoenix are far deeper than their opposition Philly is lost without Joel Embiid, who's suffering, still recovering from the orbital fracture and concussion. James Harden is what appears to be a shell of his old self. Tobias Harris is a good player, but he's a second-tier player. Who's going to take over for Philly and lead them to victory? Eh. Hey, I don't know. And Miami is deep. And they're well-coached. And look, I like Doc Rivers. But I've said it before, Doc Rivers may be one of the most overrated coaches we have in NBA history. He's a good coach who's got a title on his resume. I don't view Doc as a great coach. Spultra is a better coach than Doc Rivers. Advantage Miami. Of the two, for me, And Heat 76ers will be the first game up tonight. That game is in Philly. So you know the crowd is going to be absolutely filthy in so many different ways. The team, I feel like, could win a game and extend the series is going to be Dallas. And the only reason why I say that is because Dallas has Luka. Dallas has Luka. And if Luka goes off for 50, they're going to have a chance to win the game. And maybe you get one of those games where Chris Paul is not dominant, is not scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter of the game. But Devin Booker looks healthy. And Chris Paul looks like he's in the zone. And I've said it all week. The worst possible thing that could happen to Dallas was the fact that Phoenix was pushed and pushed by the Pelicans in their first-round series. That almost kind of wakes up the sleeping giant. And I think it's become obvious, look, New Orleans doesn't have anyone that's on the same level as Luca. They just don't. Not BI, not Zion when healthy. They don't have a dude on the roster that is Luca. They don't. But I could argue that even though the Mavs are in the Western Conference semifinals, that you may take New Orleans roster, the Pelicans roster may be better than the Mavericks. Because when you look at the Pelicans, they got CJ McCullum, former All-Star, they got Zion, B.I. are All-Stars, they got a bunch of young dudes. They don't have a single great player on the same level as Luka, they just don't. But if you compare the two teams' rosters from top to bottom, you could argue that the Pelicans have a better roster than the Mavs. And what that's going to force for Dallas is, it, it, it's all going to be on Luca's shoulders to win a game. He's going to have to go out, and he's going to have to do the same thing that LeBron had to do early in his career in Cleveland, and the same thing Michael Jordan had to do in the 80s for the Chicago Bulls. He has to take over a game, and that's the only chance they have. But that's never going to be enough. It wasn't enough for Jordan to get over the hump until they built a roster around him. It wasn't enough for LeBron so they could build a roster around him. That's what it is right now for Luka. But of the two teams, the team that I'd like to maybe steal a game at home would be Dallas because they have luka. But I still like Phoenix to win the series. I still like both of these teams, Miami and Phoenix to win these series in gentlemen sweeps. I don't see I don't see a scenario where the Mavericks or the 76ers can come back and push this to 6 or 7 games. I just don't. Now I could be proven wrong. I'm proven wrong daily. But I just don't see it. I just don't see it. That's what we'll have tonight, Friday night, as the NBA playoffs conference semifinals resume. Heat at 76ers, Suns at Mavs. Both the Heat and the Suns lead their series two games to none. But then Saturday, ooh, you get, you're you going to get the dog fights on Saturday. Celtics, Bucks. the series shifts from Boston to Milwaukee. Remember, the Bucks won in dominating fashion in Game 1. Giannis could not be stopped. Game 2, the Celtics punched Milwaukee in the mouth, and the Bucks couldn't recover. That's going to be your first game on Saturday, 2.30. Then, Saturday night, we get primetime. Grizzlies, Warriors, as that series goes from Memphis to San Francisco. Both of those series are tied at one game apiece. Game three for both of those series are going to be nasty. I expect salty competitive games in both on Saturday. But we'll see. We'll see if either one of those teams that's down two games to none tonight can do something about it and steal game three and try to make this a series. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're gonna unveil the poll question of the day. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're gonna like it. You're gonna love it. We're also gonna talk maybe a little Raging Cajun softball and baseball as well. Here from Coach Deggs, here from Coach Glasgow. That's gonna be coming up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy.
1: I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy.
0: Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero, as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beat twice in the head. That actually explains a lot back to more rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: two-year hiatus the bro bridge crawfish festival is returning this weekend to the festival grounds in bro bridge Journal admission tickets range from five to ten dollars you can also buy three-day passes for 15 musical lineup this year oh man they're bringing out the heavy hitters wayne tubes chubby carrier in the bayou swamp band gerald Grunig and gentelli zydeco sweet cecilia and so many more great food great music and great times at the bro bridge crawfish festival for more information Visit BBCrawfest.com. That's com. We do have a poll question of the day. Big weekend on the diamond for college teams. Raging Cajun softball team wrapping up the regular season. They'll do so on the road at ULM. They'll play tonight at 6 o'clock, and then they'll do a doubleheader on Saturday. That way they're avoiding Mother's Day altogether, wrapping up the regular season with a twin bill. They're in Fun Row. Cajun baseball, mine, uh, meanwhile, will be at home at the Teague. They're going to be taking on UTA, one of the worst teams in the Sun Belt Conference. But you can't look past anyone, especially if you're the Cajuns, who in the last three to four weeks have improved their standing. They keep climbing in projections. And right now it looks like they're an NCAA regional team. But they got to keep that momentum building in the last few weeks of the regular season. They can't look back, right? They can't look ahead, rather. And if they slip up against one of the worst teams in the conference, UTA, Mavericks, then that could damage their chances. So they'll be at home at the Teague. LSU, meanwhile, they'll be on the road, making the trip to Tuscaloosa, going to T-Town for an SEC weekend series. LSU has improved their standing so much, it looks like they're going to host a regional right now. Can they keep that going? They can't afford to slip up against an improved Alabama team, but an inconsistent one, and one that's coming off back-to-back series losses. And, of course, there's McNeese, all the cowpokes. They're tied, tied atop the Southland Conference standings. And what's at stake for them coming down the home stretch is being able to host early in the Southland Conference tournament because it's done at regional sites this year. They're taking on Northwestern State. The Demons, who were leading the conference for a while earlier this season, they've slipped a little bit. Key series this weekend at the Joe. So that leads us to our poll question of the day. Who will win their conference series this weekend? LSU at Bama, UL at UTA, McNeese versus Northwestern State, or UL softball at ULM. I like all four to win, but we don't have that option, by the way, before you ask. But if you'd like to say all four, you can do so with your comments, with our poll question of the day. So go vote on that and leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitters. But Let's start off with a little Cajun softball talk. Young team, but this is not a young team anymore. They dealt with their inexperience. They dealt with their youth earlier in the season, in particular when they were facing off. Against elite competition, against top 25 ranked teams. They struggled. Once something went sideways on them, they didn't know how to respond. But it does feel like Jerry Glasgow's team has turned a corner. They had some players leave the team. Including a few here that are pictured on the poster in our studio. They're no longer on the team. And as the season progressed, they got better. And they have a chance to win the regular season championship. Lock that up because they do have South Alabama nipping on their heels in that regard. And then they'll prepare for the Sunbelt Conference tournament, which will be, I do believe, next week for softball. So they know what's at stake. And they feel like they have turned a corner that they're mature. The youngsters, the freshmen or the redshirt freshmen. Uh, they don't. They're they're not really freshmen anymore. Not when you get to this point in the season. You played fifty games. You're, yeah, yeah. You know, the the early season jitters are now all but gone. And Coach Glasgow talked to the media earlier in this week, and look, South Alabama's the one that can possibly catch them. They're the ones that are probably their biggest threat in the Sun Belt Conference. And Coach Glasgow talked about how South Alabama, the Jaguars, compare to, say, other teams in the Sun Belt. Sorry, we don't have that. But they're gearing up for a series at ULM once again, there'll be no energy there. We've heard Jay Walker talk about that. That there's no energy up in Funro. And there won't be. But that shouldn't matter for the Raging Cajuns. But this is was a young team, as I stated. But they're not really young all that much anymore now that we're towards the end of the season. And Glasgow talked about the youth of his team and how they've grown up throughout the season.
4: Um, you're seeing that youth show up less often, but it still shows up in moments in a game, like giving them three or and to start the game. We give up. I think five of our last Sun Belt game, five of our last six. We've allowed the other team to score in the first inning. We've got to stop that. You know, we got to start putting zeros in that first inning, get control of the game, and then. You, so that I saw that's a a moment of, of a young or immature ball club. It may not be due to youth. It may be due to immaturity and how you play the game. And then, you know, getting – like we got the lead 6-3 Sunday. We started an inning with a walk. Another moment of, you know, less than mature team.
1: Look, Jerry's going to be hard on – his girls, and they're still growing up. I think from watching this team that they've grown up a lot during the season. The team that's playing right now is not the same team that was playing two months ago. Now, he can still be, because he's the skipper, he's going to nitpick, well, you know, we gave up a walk in this inning or we did this. That's his job and that's how he's built. That's not a criticism of Jerry. That's just who he is, okay? That's just how he's built. But if you stand back and look at this team compared to how they were early in the season and how they are right now, they're wildly different. They're a far better team. They have far better chemistry. They're far more mature. He's going to be the taskmaster because that's what he does. That's his job. He's a perfectionist. He doesn't like to do anything. But anybody that watches this team and has watched this team throughout the season will tell you that they are far improved.
2: They almost, they like, you can see in their I guess like their body structure, they like they stand up, they they stand up taller. They they have more confidence in themselves when they even walk up to the plate, when they walk out to the field, like when they're warming up beforehand, like all of that from the beginning of the season to where you know like when I watched them last week, they are wildly different in how they are and how they you know show themselves out to everybody else.
1: They've grown into that that they they've grown into that role. They've developed the chemistry. They've created a bond as the season has progressed. Jerry's going to be hard on him because he's Jerry. Yeah. Okay, and I get it. But anyone that's watched them knows how much they have grown up as the season has progressed. And big contributions have come in in a multitude of ways this year, even with having a young team. But Melissa Mayu has stepped up in a big way for this team. And just with, not only with her play, but her leadership in Glasgow talked about that.
4: Yeah, I think learning to play in the present, not worry about what she did yesterday, not worrying about her batting average, not worrying about her view of or her opinion of how she played last, just go out today and play the best she can play and having a, a really uh, in-the-moment approach. Because that's always been, she's such a hard worker and such a, hard critic of her own performance that she had a hard time letting go of it. But she's done a really good job this year of that.
1: RPI is something that we talk a lot about in the month of April and the month of May for both baseball and softball because it helps kind of give you an idea of if the team that you're covering or the team that you're a fan of is going to make it into a regional. RPI plays a huge role. It's very significant and Glasgow was asked you know is he and his staff how often are they checking the RPI are they checking the RPI
4: yeah I think for us the RPI is a big factor you know I look at it constantly and looking at the different scenarios and so RPI is a huge factor especially from a coach's perspective but I think the player's perspective we just have to keep learning from what we've already learned this season that's play this thing one game at a time and the inexperience of a young ball club showed up greatly in those first 24 games when we start out 16 and eight and now you look down the stretch you know we've gone 22 and three and I think we won 16 of our last 17.
1: won 16 of their last 17. and once again look that's that's once again that's Jerry He's going to be checking that RPI all the time. Like, he's just, he's just, he just, the man is filled with nervous energy all the time. All the time. Doesn't matter if his team wins by 10 runs. There's something that he's going to be nervous about. He just can't help himself. He just can't help himself. (laughs) Oh, man. Cajuns baseball, meanwhile, will be at home taking on. UTA, and RPI has been an issue for the Cajuns as well. Their RPI has kind of gone up and gone down. Despite winning, it doesn't matter. They actually dropped some spots, even though they won two of three at App State. But they're still in great position to get an at-large berth into an NCAA regional, as it stands right now. They got that great series against Texas State, who's leading the Sunbelt Conference. That's still to come. That's next weekend. So they still have some work to do as well. But the RPI and Degs kind of broke it down that there is a fine line between winning your conference and keeping your RPI up as well.
5: Yeah, I mean it is. It's a it's a fine line. And that's not for the players to worry about. That's for, you know, I think that us. You know, you have to have a, a plan. And like it or not, you don't want to get caught in a situation where it's win the tournament or go home, but that's you know that's the majority of teams in mid major leagues, right? But for the first time in five, six, seven years, it looks like this is going to be a multiple bid uh, league, uh, and so we're working to make sure that we're one of them.
1: They've put themselves in position after a rough start and a rough patch of the season that they've kind of turned things around and have put themselves in a position to be in at large. But up next. UTA, Mavericks, as I already told you, worst team in the Sun Belt Conference. And Diggs talked about the three-game series and the opponent coming to town this weekend.
5: UTA coming up, which hasn't had the, the best season, obviously, but every team in our league is, is a threat. The, the name across the jersey doesn't mean anything. It's how well can we play. Got to limit freebies and uh, continue to be a force offensively and dominate routine plays.
1: You have to have that mentality. Look, we talked about the schedule being tough early, especially in conference play for the Cajuns. With the exception of Texas State, who they have to play next weekend, the majority of their tougher games were earlier in their conference schedule. So having UTA here towards the end is great. You can hopefully get a series sweep. Keep that train moving right down the tracks. But you have to be focused and you have to treat them with respect and not underestimate your opponent. Because the Cajuns aren't good enough right now to go out there and just beat anybody that they face. They're just not quite there yet. And they still have so much still on the line. Big weekend on the college diamond. Cajun softball on the road at ULM. Cajun baseball home at the Teague versus UTA. LSU baseball on the road in T-Town against Alabama. And McNeese at home for a key conference series against the Northwestern State Demons. That's our poll question of the day. Who will win their conference series this weekend? Who do you have the most confidence in winning their conference series this weekend? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll update it throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. oh Lafayette marble and granite my friends over at LMG they want the opportunity to earn your business and trust me earn it they will look they're more than just show-stopping marble countertops for bathrooms and kitchens that man cave area that you have that you love entertaining in that outdoor living area that you have that becomes the hub in your neighborhood or for your family on game days in the fall, when you're cheering on LSU, Cajuns, or the Saints, or the Cowboys? Yeah, they can take that to another level, to the next level. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all their sensational services and what great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or simply stop by their showrooms located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City, Ford, and the Jockey Lot. Once again, you want to take your outdoor living space, you want to take that man cave to another level, that way you can entertain in style this fall for football season, go visit my friends over at Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. Visit LMGElite.com or stop by their showroom located once again on I-49 North across from Hub City, Ford, Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will 657 which means our number two is right around the corner our number one in the books our number two coming up and we'll do that with our buddy james yasko from the lima time time podcast he'll join us to talk all things houston astros strohs winners of four straight that's coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
0: They ain't gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer Extraordinaire Hannah Five Names and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts third better known as RP3.
1: Welcome back to RP3 and Company 703 on this little muggy Friday morning as we get ready for the weekend. Poll question of the day is, who do you feel the most confident in winning their series this weekend? I feel confident in all four winning their series. LSU at Bama, UL at home versus UTA, UL softball at ULM, and McNeese at home against Northwestern State. I feel confident in all four of those teams pulling out the victories. But we want to hear from you. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. The Houston Astros, four in a row. Ryan Presley back from IL for the first time. Struggles. Gives up the hit to Miggy then gives up a two-run jack that ties up the game. Then... They have a base running gaffe in the bottom of the ninth. When Jordan Alvarez is too busy looking at a home run, that's not a home run, it ends up being a ball hit off the wall. But they're able to overcome both of those things. And Tucker brings home the game winning hit. They win three to two, four in a row. And now that the calendar's turned to May. You're starting to see the Astros healthy, and you're starting to see the Astros really come into form and look like the World Series contending team that they truly are. Don't forget, for all the folks that got upset about the Strohs and about their start to the season, oh, my God, look how bad they are. Can't believe they're losing. (sighs) Uh, They're 15-11 and now, by the way. After 26 games a year ago, they were 14 and 12. So they're better than they were last year at this time. And what happened last year? Yeah, they went to the World Series for the third time in five years. Patience. Patience. And this is a immensely talented team. And this is a team that they're so talented and they're so deep that they've been able to overcome the loss of an all-star in Callers Correa. They just got a rookie coming up hitting bombs. Replacing him with ease, apparently. And even when they have missteps in a game, when Presley comes back off of IL and blows a save because Urquidy was phenomenal for six-plus innings, and your Alvarez makes a young player mistake by watching a ball that he thinks is a home run, a game winner, not be a home run, they find a way to still win. Yeah, I know. It's against the Detroit Tigers. I get it. But still, they're finding ways to win. To talk more about the Strohs winning now four straight and seemingly have turned a corner early here in the season is our friend. He's a contributor to the Houston Chronicle. He's also the co-host of the Lehman Time Time podcast and a molder of young minds in the educational system in the great state of Texas. It's our good friend, Mr. James Yasko. James, good morning to you, sir. How are you?
3: The AP U.S. history exam starts uh, in about an hour and 24 minutes. I've been awake since 3 o'clock absolutely just puking with nervous energy. So, great. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Welcome, bud. I'm glad. I'm glad. Look at you. You're so nervous. Look at you. You're You're riddled with anxiety. Just riddled. shaking,
3: Literally shaking.
1: It's going to be okay, bud. It's going to be okay. So, can we uh, give a little love to Mr. Tucker? Because I know he was a guy that a lot of fans weren't sold on early on, but it sure does feel like we keep saying his name more and more in this last year, and in particular uh, this season, as a guy who's a reliable impact player for this team.
3: You know, yeah. I mean, we we talked about it. I said it on this show, and I, I, I wrote it. In the newspaper, when he was hitting like 095, the that the way that he was hitting the ball and the exit velocity that he was getting and the launch angle and all of that stuff, like it was going to turn around uh, at any point. And it, and it has. And, you know, it, it's one thing if you're hitting 095 and you're hitting, you know, dribblers to, to third base. It's another if you're stinging the ball to the outfield. And that's that's what he was doing. So, no, Tucker Tucker is a legit middle of the order bat for the Astros. It just took him a little while to get going.
1: It's taken him a while. He's really found himself. McCormick has, uh, you know, finding a way to get on the base pass as well. There, there doesn't feel like there's a weak spot in the lineup right now.
3: I mean, Martin Maldonado is is as guaranteed of an out that the, the the Astros have had since like Brad Osmus or or Adam Everett. Yeah, but um,
1: you got him. You have him not for his bat. Right. right. You, you, right, right. you, you sacrifice uh, Martin in the lineup because he throws guys out with ease on his knees behind the plate.
3: Yeah. No, if, if Martin Maldonado is is the answer to your offensive question, uh, that's the wrong question. So so, you know, in, in that sense, you're you're absolutely right. McCormick is interesting because I think he's he's fighting for playing time because when Jake Myers, Jake Myers basically took him out of the lineup last year. Uh, and then got hurt in the playoffs, and, yep. and McCormick has got to be looking at this like, you know, th- this is this is my chance either to solidify my spot on this team or audition for other teams. You know, come the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, he's done he's done a very nice job, and once again, Dusty has done a nice job with a steady hand with early season injuries and having Jose Altuve go down for rehab assignment and Jordan being out of the lineup for a while and having to start a rookie at shortstop. Dusty's done a nice job. Once again, uh, there's a reason why he's won 2,000 games and only the 12th man to do so. Uh, Talk a little bit about the rookie, though, Pena, because I expected some growing pains from him. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been moments where the stage has been too big for him, uh, James. But overall... Now that we're a month into the season, it sure doesn't feel like playing in the show is that big for him. It just doesn't.
3: No, it doesn't. And you know, the, the real test, I think. You know, how many times have we seen a guy come up? It, it, it's it's been a month, and I I will temper the the Pena excitement. Uh, and I I tweeted out you know maybe ten days or so ago that I didn't really expect to to just sort of tip my cap to the Astros on on going with Pena. Uh, by the end of April, but, but here we are. And we'll see what happens when teams start to face him for the second or third time. Right. Uh, And when pitchers start to start to face him multiple times that, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen players come out of and and show up and and it's just gangbusters until they kind of get figured out in the book and the, you know, the book is sort of out on what they can do and, you know, where, where their zone is and and where it's not. But, but I, I you have to give him credit for, for sort of how things have been handled. Uh, Did you see Correa might've broken his finger last night? Yes. So that's, you know, that, that can happen at any point, but, you know, to, to anyone really, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's looking like the Astros made the right call.
1: It it does. It wasn't a popular call uh, for a lot of fans, but,
3: I slandered James Click. I said horrible, non-Christian <laughs> yes. things. Yes. yes, 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 you did. Yes, you did. But I questioned his value as a human being, not as a baseball executive, but as an actual person. Like, what does he bring to society that that <laughs> that that gives him what gives him the right? Uh, essentially, uh, what also there-
1: helps. What also helps Pena, and, and I said this to folks: Look where he's going. Right. He's not, they're not going to look to him to be like, hey, bro, we need you to carry the team because they have Alvarez and Bregman and Altuve and Brantley. They have a slew of guys that can help him ease him into this role. So th- there, there's not a perfect, there's not a more perfect situation for the youngster to come up by being surrounded by a bunch of dudes who have played in three World Series. Like, I, I just. What? It it, it makes it easier for him. It reminds me, even though they're wildly different players, it reminds me of when the Braves brought up Andrew Jones. They were already established as a team that was going to World Series. They had a lot of veterans on their team so they could take the youngster and bring him along at the age of 19 when he made his big league debut to be like, hey, yeah, you're going to be great, but we got you. right? That's what it feels like to me. Watching with Pena is like, hey, you can just be yourself, take your time, relax. We got you because the team is going to be led by half a dozen other guys.
3: Yeah, half a dozen other guys that that aren't. You know, when we say they're they're veterans and they've been here before, but, you know, Brandley's what thirty two, Altuve thirty one, Redmond twenty seven. Like, it's not. It that that's what's kind of incredible about the way that the Astros are constructed is that yeah they've they've played a very long you know they, they, they've been here before but they're they're not 41 42 years old uh and so you you still by letting Pena just sort of settle in uh it's just another 24 year old guy that that has a chance to to sort of dip his dip his toe in the pool and and yeah let's let's ride out the regular season. we're good enough uh to get to october and and see what happens there.
1: We're talking with James Yasko. A man filled with nervous energy today, but he shouldn't be. He's going to be just fine. He contributes for the Houston Chronicle, and he's co-host of the Lehman Time Time podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company every Friday talking all things Astros. I know Verlander gives up the jack late in his performance in the closeout game against the Mariners, but how is a guy at his age coming off Tommy John surgery how is he pitching just as well as he is? He's three and one, and his ERA is around two, and he's forty years old coming off Tommy John. Uh,
3: I, I mean, having essentially almost two years, uh, two years off, and, and two years to rehab, um, you know, and and he's as driven as anybody, you know. At this point, uh, you know, Verlander wants to win another World Series, but but he's looking to Cooperstown at this point. So every start that he makes that's in the back of his mind and and you know he he looks like he can go another couple of years maybe 3 um and it, no it's just it's just drive and and just the pure the pure stuff uh that that Verlander has so are you are you not,
1: surprised James of just how well he's pitching though
3: no not at all uh just the he just kind of feels like he's he's just that guy uh, and, you know, I'm sure while he's rehabbing and, and, you know, watching Tom Brady, you know, that, that's sort of the name that comes to mind, you know, when, when you think about Justin Verlander, uh, a, a guy at the top of his game, that's, that's driven to do it for as long as he can, but also, you know, I mean, obviously I, I don't, I, I think at this point Verlander's a hall of famer, but, but you're trying to solidify your case every time you go out. So no, it's not, it's not surprising at all.
1: What do you make of how jose's been pitching or the rest of the rotation for that matter
3: it really stepped up and you know the the the, it's not been the we talked about this it's not been the easiest schedule um yeah you got the rangers and you got but you you had a couple series with the mariners and and apologies to to hannah that that her beloved mariners almost win an entire series without scoring a run uh that's that's got to be tough for a long-suffering fan um but I mean, you you know the Angels seem you know somewhat legit or as legit as as the Angels can on on the sixth of May. Um, but it, it's the 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 way that that the rest of the rotation has sort of settled in, and and the the progress and the strides that have been made. You know, we're not we're not pulling an alarm on on Jake Odorizzi for the moment. But but the way that Javier's kind of stepped into the rotation, which is something that I've wanted to happen for a, for a couple of years. Uh, and everybody else just kind of going out and doing their job. You know, I think that's what that's what makes the Astros sort of the Astros at this point is they uh, kind of in the same way that we talk about pain yet. Nobody has to carry the team. Uh, there's a lot of talent. there's a lot of my dog is going nuts. Great. There's a lot of talent around you. Um, just do your job. Go out there, <coughs> excuse me, and do your job and and carry it on so the next guy can do his job.
1: Your dog's just doing his or her job by barking, serving as the guard dog for the Yasco compound.
3: Yeah, no, there's uh, we feed some stray cats, which means we have cats, and uh, the the they're outside cats, and the the inside dogs don't like the outside cats.
1: You make poor decisions. <laughs> that's, correct. That's,
0: that, that, that's every correct.
1: day. Every day. Uh, we'll wrap it up with this, bud. As a fan of the Strohs, are you conflicted about A.J. Hinch and how you feel about him? Because obviously I listened to his interview and he still lives in Houston. Uh, you can tell how much that city and that organization means to him. And even though he's the skipper of the Tigers, and I think he's going to do a good job turning them around if the front office is actually committed to turning them around, that's a discussion for another day. But uh, is, is are the feelings about A.J. still – kind of complex still you you still feel conflicted about them now or no
3: no uh you know the biggest conflicts you know the the biggest conflicted feeling about A.J. Hinch uh isn't so much you know what what happened with the trash cans and how many monitors did he break trying to trying to not so passive aggressively stop whatever was going you know I say whatever we know exactly what was going on but I, the, the, I'm more conflicted about how we freaking managed Game Seven, uh, and and how they didn't win the twenty. The greatest, I, I would put the night the 2019 Astros up against any team in baseball history. That is one of the greatest teams of all time, and a complete mismanagement cost them another cost them a, a second World Series. So that's the only conflicted feeling I have about AJ H. The
1: the famous World Series where no team won at home, right? If I
3: remember right, I'll the, never. There's a lot of things that I, I will absolutely never understand, but I will never understand how the 2019 Houston Astros with Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, uh, did not win the World Series. It, it's it, it's it's it is mind blowing, and the only thing is that's karma for 2017.
1: As someone who's a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan and got to see Maddox Glavin. And, you know, Smoltz pitch year in, year out. Yeah, it's curious to me why we didn't win more World Series as well, bud.
3: Baseball is a faithless work. That's that's the only answer.
1: (laughs) Uh, Enjoy uh, testing today, uh, my friend, and and try to relax this weekend, brother. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Have a good one. It's James Yasko. Very nervous about his responsibilities today in the classroom. Understandable. It's going to be okay. Our guy's got it. He's going to be just fine.
2: I just watched, like, seeing his daughter, like, try to come in and scream. What are you doing, Dad? Looks <laughs> right out. He's like, "No, go get dressed." Do something.
1: This is Daddy's time. Leave <laughs> me alone. We got to take a timeout. But before we do, just a reminder: the game, one hundred three seven Lafayette and one hundred four one Lake Charles. We want to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros will take on the Texas Rangers on May the 21st and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse today right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right, four tickets, hotel room, and a tour of the ballpark. That's what you can win with the latest Astros Weekend Getaway. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So go sign up today in our clubhouse so you can have a chance to score the Astros Week in Getaway. Gotta take a timeout. More RP3 and Company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh, let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? Astros keep keep it going, keep it rolling. Four straight now for Houston. They'll take on the Detroit Tigers once again at Minute Maid Ballpark tonight. You can listen to that game first pitch seven ten on our sister station News Talk ninety eight five FM. Tiger Stroes over on the sister station News Talk ninety eight five FM tonight seven ten first pitch but it's a big weekend on the college diamond for a lot of our teams as well and LSU is going to be on the road in Tuscaloosa taking on Alabama in a key SEC series but I like their chances to win that game win that win that series Alabama is improved this year they're no longer one of the worst teams in the conference but they are coming off back-to-back series losses it'll be tough to play in Alabama but LSU should win that series. UL, meanwhile, will be at home at the Teague, taking on UTA. UTA, the Mavericks, they're not very good. They're the worst team in the Sunbelt Conference. But no room for error for Matt Deggs' team. You can't. You can't look past anybody. You just can't. Not at this point of the season. So they could really use a series sweep this coming weekend. The Raging Cajun softball team, meanwhile, is up in Monroe, or as we like to call it, fun row. to wrap up the regular season. They'll play one game tonight, and then they'll play a twin bill on Saturday to wrap up the regular season, and then before getting prepared for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, they should easily win that series. But once again, the Warhawks, they're down. So they're going to play spoiler. They would love nothing more than to upset their rival to wrap up the regular season. And, of course, McNeese, huge series for them at the Joe this weekend. Three-game set in Southland Conference play versus Northwestern State. Cowboys-Demons at the Joe. That should be a good one, too, because McNeese is tied for atop the standings in the Southland Conference, and that will affect, if they can maintain one of those top spots, would allow them to be able to host the early rounds of the Southland Conference tournament. So who will win their conference series this weekend? Right now, 36% of you say LSU at Alabama. 32% say UL at UTA. 25% of you say UL softball at ULM. And 7% of you say McNeese versus Northwestern State. Darren on Twitter says, score prediction. NSU losing 9-0 like the Bucs lost to the Saints. Don't take a grade school teacher to catch what I'm saying. (laughs) <laughs> is he talking to, to Jamie? I think he may be. <laughs> ton on Twitter says, UL versus, is versus not at. It, any really, really, Ton? It is. Yes. It, it should have been versus, not at. Anyway, they're going to win, and so is Cajun softball. Happy early Mother's Day. Shout out to the moms out there. And Ton wants to know when Elon Musk, when are they going to get an edit button? I... I i've never understood why twitter says they can't give you an edit button button and why they haven't been able to do so over the years it makes no sense to me none whatsoever tyler says all of the above yes that is the correct answer tyler but twitter only gives us four options on the poll question but thank you for that that is correct it is all of the above
3: all of the above
1: so keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, the college and pro football analyst, the man we trust when it comes to NFL draft more than any other, Mike Dettelier, will join us recapping what the Saints were able to do and just overall thoughts about the 2022 NFL draft that's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Welcome to Down a Distance with Mike D. Time to discuss the very latest regarding the Bayou Bengals and uh, the Hoodats. Here is college and pro football analyst Mike Dettelier.
1: Mike, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend?
6: I'm fine, thank you. Have draft's you... over, so I'm really happy. <laughs>
1: the draft. listen the man the man, the draft's over. I can I can relax a little bit. All right, let's uh, let's break this down. Uh we'll talk about the Saints and what they did. And uh, because I thought they had a, a nice draft as always. But what was the biggest surprise to you as a man who's covered this event for more than 3 decades? What was the biggest surprise for you from the 2022 NFL draft?
6: I shouldn't be surprised at it, but that was some really odd picks by the New England Patriots. Uh, And listen, and uh, I got tremendous respect for Bill Belichick. I think uh, you know, in our lifetime, uh, he he's the greatest pro football coach ever. But man, uh, I don't want him drafting for me. Uh, Cole Strange, who's who's a good player from Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, on my board, he was the 64th best player. They picked him in round one. Uh, you saw the uh, sort of chuckle and laugh of the Rams hierarchy when Cole got picked. They thought he would be there at 104 when they picked. And just some odd picks by Belichick. And again, I think um This is not going to go down good for Bill at the end because I think, you you know, you win with talent, and he he always had Brady to sort of bail him out. And, you know, he was the guy that picked Gronkowski, so I do give him full credit there. Uh, But he's on his own now. He he seemingly uh, has ditched uh, whatever the scouts and people around him are telling him And he's doing it his own way. And normally that's not good. Uh, No matter how talented you are as an X and O coach and uh, how you get people to practice and and understand the game, it it is about talent. And that's strange. And I I could say, look at the Cowboys. It's another one. Uh, You know, their first round pick uh, was, he was thirty sixth on my board, which It kind of falls not that far out of alignment, but he's not ready yet for prime time. When you watched him at Tulsa, he was very grabby with players. Uh, That's why he had 15 penalties. They're going to put him at guard. That's not his position. He's really a left tackle. So are you picking him to play inside at guard? Are you paying him to take Tyron Smith's place eventually at left tackle. Uh, I don't understand their off season one bit. <laughs> it, it's really confusing on what they're trying to do there. And similar to Bill, I think Jerry's going to do things his own way, one way or another. And that's not normally good. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I get it. You own the team, and you're a billionaire, and you got a right to do whatever you want to do. But uh, this isn't going to turn out well for the Cowboys in a spot where they didn't really need a lot of different pieces to put themselves in a position to to steal that NFC East. It, I thought they've opened up the door now uh, immensely for Philly. And look what they did. And I think the one big piece there was bringing in A.J. Brown. And that was shocking to me that the Titans would not pay him uh, because 48 hours before they dealt him off, uh, you know, Coach Rabel and members of that organization said, there's no way they're going to trade A.J. Brown off. And they dealt him.
1: Mike, in in that trade, and we also had Hollywood Brown traded from Baltimore to Arizona as well. So we had two star-wide receivers traded on draft night. And that just continues the pattern or the trend this offseason of teams not wanting to pay their big-time wide receivers who they drafted and developed. Instead, they're trading them away so another team can pay them the big contract. Why are we seeing that all of a sudden by the NFL?
6: Well, because it's how the game is played and how the game is paid. Uh, and there are some GMs that uh, are just kind of cemented into the fact that I'm not going to do it. I'm not paying $25, $30 million uh, for uh, a wideout. And, uh, all these wide receivers getting paid, they ought to give a percentage uh, to Christian Kirk. Because he's the guy that really opened the door here. Uh, that massive contract he got from Jacksonville. Okay, Christian Kirk's, you know, he's a pretty good player, but come on, Raymond. Compare him to Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown. Uh, what eventually, Debo Samuel, and Marquise Brown, and you know all these other guys that want to get paid. He cracked the door open, and but he just ran through it. Christian Crook's, again, a pretty good player, but he's not an elite receiver in this league, and the Jaguars paid him way over market value. Oh, the Jaguars now, making bad decisions? All
1: of them- oh, no. No, you don't mean that, Mike.
0: <laughs> That's what the Jags have
1: been doing for 10 years.
6: And what's that now?
1: Uh, ma- making bad decisions.
0: Oh,
6: for the Jaguars, yeah. But that hit the first big domino of receivers to get paid, and now all of them are there. We had uh, Michael Irvin on with us uh, two days ago, and Mike made the comment that, you know, for this to continue, uh, it means Devontae Adams uh, and Tyreek Hill, they got to play big because he pointed out if those guys play big on new teams, and Green Bay and Kansas City maybe aren't quite the same offensively, that means that now receivers are going to get paid more in the future. Yep. And I thought that was a good point by Mike that uh, that could really knock down a ton more of dominoes in the pay market. But uh, we've talked about this for weeks, and it affected the draft. We saw more wide receivers get picked in the first two rounds than any time in NFL history. And into the day you and I take our last breath – that will continue because of the way the game is played today. And, uh, you know, I do so many of these camps, and you see those group of receivers, and you say, wow, all those guys play in one spot. Uh, man, and they're getting developed quicker now at the high school ranks because of the way the game is played in high school, 7-on-7. Seven seven has certainly been a big part of it. Uh, I told this to Peyton Manning uh, last year. I, I He was really – a creator of it here in the south seven on seven wasn't big but it was Peyton Manning's idea not Archie to come up with the Manning Passing Academy and and the effect that that has had with the pitch and catch part of the game of all the quarterbacks and receivers that that come to Thibodeau every year for it
1: speaking of quarterbacks only one was selected in the first round. Teams did not reach for QBs this year, Mike, which I was surprised about. And then the other guys that many thought could go in the first round uh, aren't selected until the second, and sometimes, in some cases, the third rounds. What did you make of how teams approach the draft with the QBs?
6: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it surprised me, too, uh, because there's, there's always desperation. Um, by, by a team or two, because you feel it from the owner saying, where was Cincinnati a couple years back? They get Joe Burrow. Look where they are. Or well, where was Buffalo a few years back? They got Josh Allen. Look where they are. Uh, Kansas City was a slightly better than middle of the road team. They get Mahomes. Look where they are. So where's my guy? Why, why don't we have a guy like that? Okay. They don't quite understand it because that's not how they made their billions. And so coaches, GMs feel a little bit of heat from the individual that signs the check. And, but they didn't panic with it. And Pittsburgh I thought was very coy about how they handled this. Uh, they sort of knew that Pickett was their guy. He had, you know, because they, they had more intel on Kenny Pickett than anyone because he's in their building, so to speak. Uh, but for Malik and for Matt Corral and, and Desmond Ritter, you saw the slide where many thought he would go. Uh, now, I only had one of them going in round one from a grade standpoint, but I thought there'd be at least two selected, and that didn't happen. And uh, they, it was not a, a hit the panic button like I think most of us felt you would see uh, at that particular point. Um, Now, that won't be the case next year, but, uh, you know, they played along with it, and it sort of went along where the guys were actually graded.
1: Which was uh, kind of surprising to me. We'll talk more with Mike Dettilier after this timeout. We'll get his thoughts on how the Saints – did for the complete draft including some surprises there with their day two and day three picks and also get his thoughts on the honey badger coming home that'll be coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
0: welcome back to down a distance with mike D.
1: More with Mike detillier joining us here on RP3 and Company as we close out hour number two, seven forty-eight on this Friday morning. All right, bud, we talked overall about the draft. Let's talk about exactly what the Saints did. We already talked about that last week on what they did for the first round. They got their guy, Alave, They got their tackle. But then came days two and days three. What did you make of how the Saints, Mickey Loomis, and company approached the rest of the draft?
6: Yeah, well, it's certainly focused on the defensive side of the football. And, and that was, okay, played along in the wheelhouse of the head coach. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it's a new way of trying to win uh, and bulking up their defense. Uh, now, Alante Taylor is a guy, and uh, we had him on, I think it was the Friday night after he got picked. And I was talking to him about, uh, I got sent film of him. When he was a high school player uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, he was quarterback. And um, the coach had sent it to me, their thoughts were to move him to wide receiver because they were heavily recruiting him. Uh, he didn't go there. He, he went to Tennessee instead, and Tennessee did the exact same thing. They were going to play him at wideout. And uh, Then they had some injuries, moved in the corner. It was the best thing for him. He's a long, lean corner. Um, he's got uh, great length outstanding foot speed, he's a leader, uh, he's vocal, really vocal, and he's chatty, which fits right into what the Saints do in the secondary. Uh, but I think his immediate impact will be on special teams. Uh, he was an outstanding gunner for them, a very good open field tackler, and he's a guy a developmental corner, I think will be a really good player for this team. It'll be interesting to see how they play him. Because he's worked across the board, mostly outside, but he has seen work as a slot cover corner, and that may be a spot in the NFL. Could he? The uh,
1: could they have also taken him to possibly be the long-term replacement for say, like PJ Williams, who and PJ's played both corner and safety; he's shown his versatility. Could that be the the thought process with the young man out of Tennessee?
6: It could be. And now he's a little bit different player than PJ, and he's a. a, a much more lengthier player, right. taller, longer arm, faster. And so he has played probably 85, 90% of the time as an outside corner. And so uh, my thing in this league, when I see all this talent accumulated at corner, I mean, at wide receiver, you better have some corners and you better have more than a couple. And what happens if you have an injury? You, you better have some depth. And Dennis Allen talked about this on the day he got to become the head coach of the Saints, that that's something that you have to think about, you know, when you build your roster. Depth at that corner position because of all the talent and how the game is played today at wide receiver. Uh, With Jackson from uh, Appalachian State, a very productive player. Uh, We've all seen him play a ton. Uh, Because of all the times they've played schools here in Louisiana. That's right. Uh, He's he's played the Sam, the Will, and Mike. He's played all across the board. Outstanding special teams player. And I think for a linebacker, first thing that pops with me is he better damn well be productive. Okay? Over the last two years, he's the only FBS player with over 200 tackles and over 20 tackles for losses. Okay? He's the only one. So that gives the production. He's a little undersized, but man, he's instinctive. He um, is very smart to figure out where the play is headed. And, you know, you got a lot of kind of older folks that want to say, well, I want to see how he takes on and beat a block. That ain't the way the game is played today. He knows how to maneuver around heavy traffic. Okay, if you're a smaller guy, uh, you better learn how to do that real quick. And he does. And so I think initially probably be special teams, but he's got a shot one day uh, to be a starter. And then I, I go back to a couple of the free agents they signed. Abram Smith, uh, the running back from Baylor, he surprised me that he was not selected. Uh, I had him as a fifth-round pick grade, and, and he goes undrafted. Now, he had a, a kind of a weird journey. Holly recruited running back. Uh, was a backup. They had injuries at linebacker. He becomes a starting linebacker for Baylor. Then Dave ran out of uh, running backs. And he told me last year he was unsure of what he was going to do in the spring. And then Smith emerges and he shatters the Baylor all time rushing record <laughs> there. Now, one thing with him you'll notice he's a bigger back uh, than he's no 5'10 guy. He's He's right at six foot. He either wants to run you over or run away from you. I mean, there's two options there. He's a north-south guy with uh, above-average speed. But, man, he's a tough guy to bring down. And at times last year, because Baylor's passing attack was erratic, he carried that team on his back. And uh, Rasheed from... He was also a guy from Weaver State that he's the only player in the big sky to earn all conference honors as a punt returner, kick returner, wide receiver, slot receiver. That's where I see him uh, being used at. And certainly Deshaun Dixon. Uh, I was going to ask you, Mike. I was going to ask you about him
1: because I told someone the other day in the hallway, I go, don't be surprised if the young man from Nichols. Takes one of those yeah. vets' spot in the wide receiving core when training camp's all said and done. Like I, I just, I wouldn't he, be surprised
6: at all. Yeah, he's legit. He's six three. Um, he's no uh, say track star. He, he doesn't run well for the clock. But you put him on uh, pads and a helmet on, man, he's plenty fast. But what was so impressive in watching him here at Nichols for four years was his ability to go up and make a catch in contested spots with people hanging on him because it was never one-on-one. He always was bracketed or double covered. And he, he broke every record here uh, at Intimidale at nickel state. And he's got a lot of want to, and he's a bigger receiver. Um, It'll be interesting to see what else they able to get in the off season. Uh, And uh, already, you know, they were going to talk to Sony Michelle, and I talked to some representatives who was involved with Sony and they sort of tipped me off. There's mutual interest and they need that understanding that somewhere along the line, you're not going to have Alvin Kamara this year. You know, that that's going to be a given if it's six or eight game suspension, whatever. But August 1st, which is right around the time training camp starts, that's when the trial for Kamara happens. So, And we all know how the commissioner in the NFL works. So uh, let's see if they can get that done and and possibly add another player here or there. But Michelle may end up being a good pickup for them if they can get him. Now, again, the Dolphins are also very, very interested. And they certainly solved the safety spot, Uh, bringing in Tyron Matthew, who uh, he's one of the few players in these 36 and now 37 years I've done this Um, he's a special guy because he's not prototypical size. We were laughing the other day when he came on with us. First time I met him, it was in between his sophomore and junior year. And My deal is, who the hell is this little bitty dude? But he was making more plays than anybody else. And you think about he's good, but he makes people around him better.
1: And they're going to love that, playing with him. And that's the other thing, Mike. I got to go, brother. I'm up against the break. Thank you so much for your time, but Enjoy the weekend. Try to get you some rest this weekend, brother.
6: Well, that ain't happening, but uh, I
1: appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> that's Mike Dettelier, college and pro football analyst, draft expert, joining us here on RP3 and Company. Hour number two has come to a close, but not to worry. We still got one more hour for you. That's coming up next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 803 on this Friday morning. Only one hour to go for today's show and for the week, but we're going to try to close it out strong for you. Coming up, half an hour from right now, Bob Nightingale, USA Today reporter, columnist covering Major League Baseball, will join us. We're going to talk all things baseball. In about 15 minutes or so from right now, Nick Fondo returns with cashing tickets Little NBA playoff action to discuss, but all obviously the Kentucky Derby, which will be tomorrow, 148th run for the roses taking place at Churchill Downs. So that'll be coming up here on RP3 and Company. Of course, today we've talked a lot about the Houston Astros. They won their fourth straight game yesterday. Did so last night rather at Minute Maid Ballpark. Ryan Presley comes in, first game, first appearance off the IL, and promptly gives up a hit to Miggy, Mr. 3000, and then gives up a two-run jack to tie up the game in the top of the ninth. Jose Urquidy's flawless performance, he was great yesterday, was for nothing, and then you go to the bottom of the ninth. And Joran Alvarez thinks that he's hit the game-winning home run So he decides to stay in the box longer than he should. In fact, it does not go out. It hits the center field wall and promptly takes a double and makes it a single, which could have been critical. But they find a way. Tucker comes up in a big spot, brings home the game-winning run after Yuli Gurriel walks to put runners on first and second. And they win in walk-off fashion. And I'll say this about the Astros, and I kept preaching it over and over again on this show, on this station, when everyone was freaking out about the beginning of the season and everyone was worried about how the Astros were performing and how they were below 500 and how they were just a 500 team and they didn't look good. I kept telling you, I kept showing you, telling you about the history of the Houston Astros in the last five to seven years and how every year they start off sluggish and every year April is a grind. And how they don't turn it around until the calendar switches to May. And sure enough, you look at their record now. They're at 15 wins. That's one better than they were at the same time through the same amount of games they were last year when they went to the World Series. Astros are slow starters. And you look at this roster. We talked about it with James Yasko earlier. The one flaw, if you will, in the lineup, of course, is Maldonado. But here's the thing. You absorb that because he is phenomenal at throwing out runners on the base pass. You have him for his defense. He's a liability at the plate. The cat just can't hit. That's what it boils down to. It's not a knock on him. He just can't. He's in the big leagues. He's in the show because he can catch. But you don't need martin to be a good hitter because you got the murderer's row the rest of the way altuve now back off of iel alex bregman finally playing like he did before he got injured when he was the mvp candidate a few years ago jordan alvarez is a young gun he makes mistakes he owned it last night as soon as he made the base running gaff, he went straight to dusty baker and said i'm sorry he knew he screwed up But you got Alvarez. You got Michael Brantley. We don't talk enough about Michael Brantley, by the way. Yui Gurriel, who is your AL batting champion from last year. Kyle Tucker has been great for this team. We talked about that with Yasco. He started off, his average was bad. But you looked at the actual hits. The game inside the game, he was hitting hard-hit balls. They were just being caught. Sure enough, he pushes through. Now he's doing very well. And... We focus so much on the lineup, and rightfully so, because the Astros are great. But the pitching. I mean, Verlander is 40 years old. He's coming off Tommy John. Tommy John used to be the death nail in your career. Your Your career was over. Game over, done, you're done. And Verlander had the extra time to recover. So it's nearly been two years, so that's part of it. But Verlander looks like he hasn't lost anything. And I know it's early, but the guy has been absolutely great. He has surprised me how good he's been. Now he's a worker. He's got nothing to prove. Guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to Cooperstown. He's got an MVP. He's got a couple of Cy Youngs on the resume. He's got a World Series championship. Guy's going to the Hall. But that's not how he's built, right? He wants to win another World Series title. He's talked about that. That's his goal, winning another championship. He wants that second World Series championship. And he is your older guy. He's your vet that's going to set the tone for the rotation. And the rest of the guys have been great. Odorici was awful for a while, but he looks like he's turned a corner. Urquiti has been great. The Astros, as I said before, and I said when people were were worried, oh, what are they going to do? Oh, no, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Calm down. This team is going to win this division. Sorry, Angel fan. The Astros will win the division. The Astros are the better team and they know how to turn it on, and they know what it takes to win in the postseason. They know how to put together postseason runs. They understand if they're down by three runs, what to do. And look at their composure last night. I know it's a small sample size, and I get it. It's against the Detroit Tigers, who are not very good right now. I understand all that. I do. Their guy comes in their closer and blows the save. Ties up the ball game. In the bottom of the ninth, one of their young stars screws up. Could have cost them. Could have easily had costed them a chance of winning that ball game. Him not getting that double and getting to second. And only getting the single because he was thinking he hit a home run. That gaff could have easily cost them. But he didn't. You know why? Because this is a veteran team that doesn't lose their composure. They don't lose their composure. They, they, that team is built the way they have been constructed in their core with Altuve and Bregman. And you got Alvarez and you got Brantley. Okay. These guys and Yuli, we don't talk enough about Yuli either. Those guys, there's never a moment in a game where they think they can't win it. You can't buy that. You can't buy it. That just comes from experience. That comes from winning a World Series championship. That comes, and from by the way, winning that World Series championship by winning on the road in the Fall Classic. That comes from experience and coming up together and building something great together. They believe that no matter what the score is on the scoreboard, they have a chance to win. That's what the Astros are. And there's not many teams in the league right now, AL or NL, that have that, that possess that. And that's what gives the Astros an advantage over so many other teams. Because there's never a moment in a game where they go, uh, oh, we're not going to win this game. They always believe they're going to win the game. And that makes a huge difference. And some people may view that as being cocky, but they're not. They're just confident. They're confident in their abilities to be able to find a way to win a game. They're confident in their abilities if someone is having a rough go of it. Altuve, who was awful to begin the season. Alex Bregman was there to pick him up. Michael Brantley was there to pick up him and the team. If one of the guys is struggling, the other guys pick him up. And this is what they've done for working on five-plus years now. Three World Series trips. One World Series title. Five straight ALCSs. That's why they're one of the best teams year in, year out. And you got Verlander pitching like he is, and you're getting Urquidy to pitch that way, and Christian Javier, Framier Valdez. We haven't even seen Lance McCullers Jr. yet. Imagine what's going to happen when he comes back. Because they do expect him to come back later in the season. This is one of the best teams in the league. It just is. It's just one of the best teams in the league. So when everyone was hitting the panic button in April, I told y'all, calm down, breathe, take a moment. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We've got a poll question of the day for you to go vote on before we unveil our Game Changer of the Week phone call, which we do every Friday. We pick the best phone call from the week and give that caller the title of Game Changer of the Week. It's a prestigious honor. Poll question of the day. Who do you have the most confidence in of winning their series this weekend? It's a big weekend on the diamond in the college ranks. LSU at Alabama, key SEC series. Tigers want to continue building that momentum to be able to host an NCAA regional. They can't afford to slip up in Tuscaloosa. What about UL versus UTA at home at the Teague? UTA is the worst team in the Sun Belt Conference. Just like LSU, UL can't afford to slip up because they have played themselves in a position, Matt Deggs' team has, to get an at large berth, even if they don't win the Sun Belt Conference. But you can't slip up against the worst team in your conference, especially with the Texas State Series right around the bend. Nice. meanwhile, they'll be at the Joe. They're tied for first in the Southland Conference standings. Justin Hill's team has done a nice job of turning things around. Northwestern State comes to town. Three-game set at the Joe this weekend. Big series for the Cowboys if they want to maintain not only their positioning for that because they're not going to get an at-large bid. The Southland will be a one-bid league this year. But if they can get one of those top seeds... Because the way the Southland is right now, it is a season of transition, if you will. They could host a couple of the rounds of the actual Southland Conference Tournament right there at the Joe. Big series on tap for them. And then UL Softball, wrapping up the regular season this weekend up in Fun Row. A game tonight against the Warhawks and then a doubleheader to wrap it all up before they prepare for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Mobile. That's our poll question of the day. Who you have the most confidence in winning their uh, conference series this weekend. 35% of you say LSU at Alabama. 30% say UL versus UTA at home at the Teague. 27% say UL softball in row. And then 8% of you say McNeese at Northwestern State. I'll say this. I have confidence in all four winning those series. Do I think McNeese has the biggest hurdle? Yes. Because the Southland's wide open. And Northwestern State's proven that they can beat the better teams in the conference. But I like all four of those to win this weekend. I have faith in all four. As Tyler Landry commented earlier, all of the above? Yes, that is the correct answer. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to unveil the call from this week that Rose above the others it's
0: time for our game changer of the week here is this week's rp3 and company game changer
1: let's head out to the hotline welcome on our friend who is looking at the finish line for the school year like no one else you know him as mr green aka Jane. good morning sir how you doing bud
7: good morning mr third I'm, I'm doing all right my countdown says 15 days left with students so i'm I'm, I'm, I see that finish line. I see that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just hoping it's not an oncoming train. <laughs> not an oncoming train.
1: I don't think it is, Bud. Your summer vacation <laughs> will be here in a matter in a matter of a few weeks, Bud. You can make it. I believe in you. We believe in you.
7: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I believe in Miss Five Names Mariners to an extent. Um, I, I'll say this: I don't. I don't think that they've necessarily peaked too early. Um, I'll say maybe. Um, you know, I think that they, I think that they are sneaky, sneaky good. They just haven't proven that yet, but I think they're going to be able to kind of pick it up on the back. At least I'm hoping so for her sake, but I do have to offer you this, Miss Five Names, look on the bright side. At least they're not the red or the eight, Ooh. because I mean, the reds got beat what 18 to last night, or something like that. And the A's, they don't care about winning anything because they don't care about putting any money into the team. Same thing with the Reds. It's almost like they're the uh, Washington Reds, uh, Washington, uh, Washington Commanders of oh, uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, so, I see. Uh, I see
1: what you did there. I see what you did there, Green. Yeah, clever, clever boy you are. Clever boy, clever boy. Uh, appreciate the phone call. That's a, that 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 that's a quality. See, that's a man that thought out his phone call before he made it. And touched on everything. Shout out to Jamie for that.
0: That was this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer of the Week.
1: See? You want to throw shade at my team that I root for in the National Football League? Feel feel, feel free. Doesn't offend me. You know why? Because no one is more critical of that team and how they run the organization like an abandoned amusement park than me. So take your shots all you want about the Washington football team slash Redskins slash Commanders. Before we take a timeout, hey, here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So if you are a contractor that you have hired, for digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason. Look, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free. And guess what? It's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles remind you call 811 and know it's below before you dig. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Nick Fondo Returns, Cashing Tickets Kentucky Derby Edition is next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I
4: gamble. I'm so silly.
0: Here is Cashing Tickets on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station, simulcast on Stadium 32.3.
1: Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 824 on this lovely Friday morning, which means it's time for cashing tickets. It's time for us to get our bets on. Nick Fondo joins us here now on RP3 and Company. It's Derby weekend, bud. So uh, how much familiarity do you have with betting on the ponies?
8: I love it, man. That's kind of how I got started. I was uh, at Evangeline Downs, you know, going to Evangeline Downs, the old Evangeline Downs when it was in Karen Uh, across the street from where the jockey line is now. And that's just kind of how my love for sports gambling started. I was, I'd was i go there and, and and place bets on the horses and always bet the gray horse if they have a gray horse in the field. And most times it doesn't work out, but you just kind of have fun. Horse racing fun. There's plenty of different strategies for betting horses, different reasons why you bet them. And, and the Kentucky Derby's Derby, no, uh, there's no bigger race in, in racing than the Kentucky Derby. All
1: right, bud, break it down for us as it stands this morning. Who's the betting line favorite or favorites for the run for the roses?
8: I'm seeing Zandon at three to one and Epicenter at seven to two. So those are your two favorites. Those are probably going to be the winners. I think six of the last eight Kentucky Derbies, the betting favorite, has won the race. So it's it's usually a safe bet because the what the handicappers do it is they just spend so much time on this one race that they really have it have it down to, to handicapping this race and know who's going to win. So that's usually why the favorite is going to win. There's some great names. I mean, most people, most casual horse racing fans, they bet the names, right? They're looking at the name of the horse. They don't know who the trainer is. They don't know what the, the workout numbers are. They're just betting the name. And so they got some really great names in, in this race. My favorite one is Messier. Uh, I mean, remember Mark Messier uh, when he played for the Rangers back in 94 and they won a Stanley Cup. So I, I'm going to take Messier. He's 8-1, which is the third favorite. So, I mean, if you're looking to make some money, an eight to one Saver uh, might, might make you a little bit of cash. So let's let's let Messier to win uh, to win the Kentucky Derby.
1: That's who you like to win the Derby. Give me uh, maybe a long shot or two that could maybe uh, show, maybe be part of your trifecta.
8: So Ethel Road by Dwayne Lucas is thirty to one. Now he's on the twenty. He's in the twenty slot, which is not not a good start. But man, thirty to one, and Dwayne Lucas, uh, Dwayne Lucas trained horse. Now, of course, we know Dwayne Lucas and, and Bob Baffert and Todd Pletcher, and those are the guys that that we're very familiar with. Of course, Bob Baffert has the band. he's not going to have any horses in, in the race this year. But it, I like to look at the trainers. If, if you if you get deep into it, usually if you, if you bet trainers that that have won. That have won Kentucky Derbies before, you're going to stay, you're going to fare where. So that Ethel Road at 30 to 1, D. Wayne Lucas, looks like Todd Fletcher has three horses in the field. So if you could bet Pioneer of Medina or Chargett or Moe Donegal, you'll have a chance to to do something special because Todd Fletcher usually places those horses in the Kentucky Derby. But honestly, I, I mean, if I were to really pick a winner, I think it's going to be Epicenter at 7 to 2. I think he's going to win the race, but, but I'm going to put my money on Messi 80 to 1.
1: All right. Obviously, you bet the Derby, and so do a lot of people. But those not those are not the only races for Derby weekend. You also have obviously the Kentucky Oaks. Do you bet any of the other races going on during the weekend as well?
8: It, it all depends on, on what's going on that year. Some years, like there are some years where I would just go to a van, down and spend the whole day, and, and and that's kind of fun. If you've never done that. That, that's a pretty good time. They have the off-track betting where you can watch all the races. And not only do you, do you bet on the Kentucky Derby races, but there's races all across the country that you can bet on. And they're going off live, and they have lots of TVs. And it can be kind of fun. And you can see some, uh, how do you put it, uh, questionable characters with the, uh, with, the,
4: with,
8: the, with the racing forms, and they're really getting into it. And, and you can have a lot of fun. And so you don't have to bet a lot of money. You can bet $2 as a minimum bet. You go there and, and just have a lot of fun. Maybe get get a few drinks and, and have fun, or you can you know you can try to bet, bet your mortgage on it and hope it pans out.
1: Man, I, I've gone to Evangeline Downs a handful of times. I Always enjoy it. And just, you know, it, it won't even be for a, a big race, right, uh, card. It'd just, right. it just be just to go to have fun. And I just want to go, you know, play some bets. But, man, you, you, you'll bump into some guys or you'll be, like, five feet within some other guys and you'll be like, oh, those, those those are the serious dudes. Like, those are the dudes that aren't here to have fun. They don't care if you're just here to blow off some steam for, like, a date night or just hanging out with the fellas. They mean business. You just you just try to avoid them at all costs. You just, you just go to the other counter
8: you either try to avoid them or you just kind of get hooked up with them and really get to know them. And then they start giving you tips and it really works out. So, yeah, you have one or two options. Completely avoid them and just go on the opposite side or kind of get to know them and talk to them. And they'll they'll give you some tips and maybe win you some money. All
1: right, bud, before we switch over to NBA playoffs, okay, give me – you said you already – you bet – you you already gave us the guy that you – the horse that you believe is going to win the Derby. Give me your trifecta.
8: I'm going to go Messier – uh in, in my trifecta so i'm gonna do it's a six i did a six three ten so that's messier epicenter and zandon so that's not going to be that's not going to win a lot of money those are the those are the three favorites the seven to two the three to one and the eight to one and it's probably not going to come out it usually never goes one two three but the key to trifecta is always boxing it right you've got to box it so if you, if you bet a trifecta whatever your three horses is box it yes it's going to cost you extra but if you bet if you bet a, a, a 10 3, 6 and it comes out 6 three ten, as long as you box it you'll still win the race so that's what you want to do pick your three horses whichever three horses you choose but be sure you pay the extra to box it because you're going to be sick if you bet 10 3, 6 and it comes out 6-3-10 and you don't win any money
1: all right bud let's quickly just touch on nba playoff action this weekend game three tonight for heat 76ers and suns Mavericks both the one seeds are up two games to none in these series you put any money down on these games tonight for game three
8: yeah I'm taking the heat the Heat are minus three in the game I'm taking them to win the series I think I'm taking them to win the east I mean we everybody was talking about the Nets and they're out and then of course the Celtics beat the Nets so they they became the hot team and of course the Bucks are the defending champs and the heater the one seed like in the heater playing very good basketball and so don't forget about the Heat. I think they're going to take care of the Sixers without Embiid. It's just it's too much for them. And then they're going to either play uh, Boston or Milwaukee. And, and And they're a good team. I think they, they faltered down the stretch. I think we saw Jimmy Butler and Eric Spoelstra fighting on the sidelines and people thought the Heat were done. They're not done. They're the one seed. They're very good. I think they're going to win the East. So definitely take a minus three tonight. I think they're going to sweep the Sixers. I think the Sixers are just done without their best player. And, and then I think they're going to go on to win the East. So I, li- I like the Heat to to win the entire East and go to the finals.
1: All right, bud, what about the other games that are far more competitive? You got Boston, Milwaukee this weekend as well, game three on Saturday, but the the real saltiness of Memphis Golden State is intriguing as well, especially when you got the star power in that series. Who do you betting who you who you laying money on this weekend in those games?
8: Yeah, this is a super fun playoffs. I mean, none of these teams are powerhouses. I mean, I guess you could say the Warriors are we're used to kind of seeing them win, but they're still not one of those traditional powers, right? The Lakers and the Nets are out. The big teams, the teams we thought they were going to be there, those teams are out. So it's it's kind of wide open. So yeah, I'm liking I'm liking this playoff so far. I think the the Warriors are going to get it done. They're just they're too strong. And the Grizzlies are probably a year early in their rise with John Morant. So i look for the Grizzlies to make some do some damage in years to come. But I think the Warriors are going to take that series. I think the Suns are going to beat the Mavericks. Uh, they're the ones are shaping up for, for Suns and Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. And at other Eastern Conference Finals, I think I'm going to go with the Bucks. I, I just think that they're the defending champs. They've been there before. Jason Tatum is a, is rising. I think he's arrived. I think he's entering his prime. I think we're going to have years of watching Jason Tatum and having fun. But I, I think the Bucks are going to get it done there. So in the, for, as far as the series go, I think it's going to be Heat, Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then Suns, Warriors, in the Western Conference Finals.
1: Nick? Appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Derby weekend, bud. We'll talk to you next week.
8: Yeah, let's win some money on the horses, man.
1: There it is, bud. Hey, the game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising. With the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience, you can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the headliners. That's right, the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037 The Game. .com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War Kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raiders Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Bob Nightingale, USA Today Major League Baseball reporter columnist joins us next right here on 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Baseball is back, and it's time for a tradition like none other. Old school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant.
5: Show us that million dollar arm, cause I gotta. Oh, I got a good idea about that five cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war?
0: Yeah. What? Who comes up with this stuff?
2: You're killing me, Smalls.
0: Now, back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: 25 games into the Major League Baseball season, and there's been some surprises. Seems like offenses were a little sluggish to start off with. That could have been due to the lockout and not a full spring training season, if you will. But there's been some surprises early on. You look at the standings, there's the Twins leading the AL Central. The Guardians are struggling. The White Sox are below 500. unexpectedly. Injuries are playing a role there, obviously. The Angels are leading the AL West. In the National League, the Mets, the Mets, are leading the NL East by a comfortable margin. There's the Brewers as well, and of course, the NL West is going to be a dogfight, it appears, all season long. To break it all down for us, the early start to the Major League Baseball season is the award-winning columnist and reporter covering major league baseball for the usa today network the one and only mr bob Nightingale joins us bob good morning brother how you been my friend
6: yeah doing
9: well thanks
1: well let's start off there what's been the biggest surprise to you which team or teams have been the biggest surprises to you so far either good or bad
9: yeah i mean minnesota twins are certainly up there i mean they were probably the biggest disappointment in america last year Yeah, them and the uh San Diego Padres, but for them to, uh, he lean in vision. You know, look at Carlos Correa has a broken finger. We'll see how much of a setback that is for that team. But yeah, they're, they're certainly a big surprise. Uh, I think people thought the Mets would be good a playoff team, but not you know have the record they are. Uh, you know, certainly not coming back from a seven-one deficit last night. You know, to beat the Phillies. Uh, so I mean, a year ago they were sitting pretty too and just collapsed. I don't, I don't see them collapsing this year, none, none of them, Buck no, Walter.
1: Let's start with the American League. I look at the East, and I think it's probably the most competitive division in baseball this year, and I see how the Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays are built, just how their rosters are constructed, Bob. This looks like this is going to be a dogfight all the way through August into September for this division, right?
9: Yeah, it should be. I mean, uh you know, take away Baltimore. Uh, you know you can make a case for everybody else to win the division. i boss is by surprise how how poorly they've been playing. You know they've uh yeah, they can't close out a game to save the lives there. Uh, but yeah, certainly with the uh, the uh, Blue Jays, Rays, and Yankees, uh, that should be fun. I mean, the Blue Jays are kind of sentimental pick just because it's been forever since they won that division uh you know they've had to play in three different ballparks the last few years now they're probably at home to stay so uh i still think they might have the most talent but certainly they don't have the experience of the yankees
1: when you look at those three teams in the al east what are the biggest you know strengths and weaknesses of the three bob
9: well the yankees you don't worry about the pitching, uh, the starting pitching. seems like there's still a, a big drop off, a lot of uh, question marks. Uh, you know, uh, Blue Jays. I think just a, a, a experience. Uh, you know, can they do it in crunch time? They haven't been there. Uh, I would say pitching uh, with them as well. Tampa Bay, I'd say more, more offense. And you know, I mean, how many times can you keep relying on uh, openers to start games and things like that? without it having an effect on your bullpen and guys getting tired. But, you know, they've been doing it right for years. Uh, you know, they're the, uh, you know, the argument where you don't need a $200 million payroll to compete, that they compete with a sub-$100 uh, million payroll year after year after year.
1: Bob, I want to talk about the AL Central. Uh, twins are a surprise. You already mentioned that. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, they got a ton of talent. they got the veteran skipper, the Hall of Fame skipper, I know injuries have played a role, but is there more going on than just some of their stars being banged up for the White Sox?
9: But they're yeah, they're still not hitting like they should. Uh, I think those guys will hit once it gets uh, you know warmer. Uh, you know, you think about it; they've had probably the most miserable spring they've had. You know, nursing like in 50 years. Uh, you know, every day is gloomy there. They haven't seen the sun since uh, last fall. Uh, it's, it's amazing how bad the weather's been. So I, I think they'll start to heat up. Uh yeah, just you know some, some things like you know, Tim Anderson six years and you know one week Liam Hendricks couldn't close out games, so they've had a lot of things go wrong, and they're you know they still should be the class of the division, and if they need some help at the trade deadline. They'll certainly spend the money to go get it.
1: I want to talk about the Tigers as well. Uh, look, I, I know they're struggling and they're in a full rebuild. This is more than likely going to be the last year for Miggy, and I know we've talked about this before. Best right-handed hitter of his generation, correct? Cabrera.
9: Yeah, you know I just started that a couple of years ago, and they, uh, who's the best right-hand hitter? Uh, is, is it him or is it Albert Pujols? Uh, a big debate. So they, they, they seem to lean more toward uh, Cabrera on this, but Pujols, the first eleven years of the Cardinals, might be the best first eleven years of, of all time. I mean, certainly much better than Mike Trout or anybody else you want to say. So it is it, close. We can name him holes.
1: Yeah, and I, the, the, uh, the discussion I've always had about that is that I, I agree totally with you is that Pull first 10, 11 seasons, we've never seen anything like that. It was legendary. But whenever he came out west after that first season, his career kind of started going down, and Miggy was just more consistent. I think Cabrera's ca- career was more consistent for 20 years than Albert's was, but Albert's first 10 years was better
9: yeah i'll go with that too i mean maybe he started slowing down you know about five years ago or so but like you know like you said albert slowed down about 10 years ago so yeah absolutely correct and they uh you know i think the difference too is that you know poles is leading his team in world series championships uh cabrera got his team there but they never uh they never won one
1: al west right now as it stands the angels lead that division Astros, though, have turned a corner, as they always do. They start out sluggish in April and then turn it on when May comes around. Uh, do you think this is going to be a fight between those two teams the rest of the way, Bob? Or do you think the Mariners have a chance to kind of end their skid, their 2-8 and eight in their last 10, and, and be a card team?
9: Yeah, I would put Seattle in there. You know, I just saw the Mariners and the Astros uh, this past week uh, in Houston in uh, – yeah, Houston, the, the starters are really stepping up and, and pitching well for them, despite, you know, really not, you know, big offensive years, not yet by Bregman or, or Altuve. Of course, you know, Korea has gone, but Jeremy Pena has stepped up. Uh, yeah, Seattle doesn't seem to hit. I mean, they're, they're young stars that they're hoping to. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick have still struggled out of the gate here. You know, but Kelnick is just years in a row. I'm not sure, you know, you know how long they're going to stay patient there. And, uh, we'll see about the Angels. I mean, things are going right for them right now. Uh, I I still question how long that pitching can last. They pitch well so far. And the you know, the offense has been great. Uh, they really need Anthony Rendon to step up and do what, you know, do what he's been doing. You know, pay, uh, $245 million for a guy like that, you know, just to play part time and, you know, hit 200. You know, they need him to do what he's doing with the Nationals.
1: We're talking about Bob Nightingale. Major League Baseball columnist and reporter for the USA Today Network. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's switch over to the Senior League. We already talked about the Mets, and they look like they're legit. I know it's early, but the rest of the teams in the East are below 500 as it stands today. Of those teams, who do you like to make a push and to, you know, maybe possibly uh, push the Mets in the NL East?
9: Well, I still think Atlanta is the class of divisions. I mean, the division still goes for Atlanta until proven otherwise. You know, won four straight division titles. Of course, the World Series last year, you know, one game away from the World Series two years ago. So, they're still the team to beat until uh, proven otherwise. Uh, Philadelphia have been very disappointing. I know they went big on the offense this year. But, you know, they had a big league, you know, yesterday, 7-1. And could not tack it on, it ended up costing them. Uh, The pitching has been a mess. You know, last year, of Joe Girardi's contract, you know, if, if they don't make a playoffs, uh, I'm sure he'll be the uh, the fall guy for this. But I think it's a, uh, you know, Marlins are better than, uh, you know, people envision. I know these got swept by Arizona, but they do have some nice young pitching. It's really a two-team race. I think both the Mets and uh, Atlanta make it. Um, we'll see which ones win the division. But, you know, we, everybody's kind of land out last year, too, at this time, and we saw what happened.
1: Milwaukee Brewers, eighteen and eight, another great start to the season. This is a team that was a division winner a year ago. Yet it feels like we don't talk enough about them, and that we just ignore the Brewers. Uh, just how good do you believe they are, Bob?
9: Well, that pitching is unbelievable. I mean, one through four as good as any uh, staff in uh, in major leagues. Uh, you know, and Josh Hader, uh, the best best reliever in all of baseball. You know, once again. Uh, I think because they don't have that star power offensively. You know, it was yellowish a few years ago. You know, he hasn't been the same guy. You know, McCutcheon's best days, are, you know, we're, were back with Pittsburgh. So I think they just don't have that big star power. Yeah, this Milwaukee is not Chicago, so people aren't paying attention. But, uh, yeah, and Milwaukee and St. Louis, both will, will be in the playoffs. They'll both win, the, you know, especially that division. You're, you're going to beat up on Pittsburgh and uh, Cincinnati and uh, to a degree the Cubs. Uh, there's no reason why both those teams won't win at least 95 games and meet get in the playoffs. Uh, you know the Cardinals are machine and Milwaukee keeps doing it right year, year after year. They've been very good now for the last four or five years.
1: NL West: Dodgers, Padres, Rockies, Giants are all above 500 here on May the sixth. Uh, the talent in the West is immense. Obviously, the Dodgers spend the most money. Everyone likes them to to come out of the West. Who gives them the biggest challenge in their own division?
9: Yeah, still the Giants. The Giants are still, you know, surprising a lot of people playing as well as they are. Uh, you know, but I think every team in the division is five hundred or better. I mean, even Arizona, the lost 10 games this year are uh, are improved. But I would I would say the Giants again. Uh, but the Padres. Padres have been playing well. It shows what difference a manager makes from Bob Melvin. So I don't discount the Padres. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think I'm going to give him a strong push. Remember, now they're doing all this without Fernando Tatis. So when he comes back, you know, sometime around the All Star break, uh, you know, that, that's a big boost. So I, I think it should be a uh, a three team race, and I would think all three teams would you know would get in. I, I expect the the Rockies will you know start to uh, slip away here as time goes on.
1: All right, I want to ask you a big picture question here, Bob, because. I see what ownership in the front office is doing in Cincinnati. And it's, I I just, I'm not even a Reds fan. And it kind of hurts my heart a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. The fact that they are committed to just trashing this franchise. And I see the same thing going on in Oakland. They've pushed Billy Bean kind of aside, and their payroll is the same amount right now as it was in 1992. How can baseball fix these things? How can MLB fix this? To not allow owners to absolutely trash their own franchises and do a disservice to those fan bases.
6: Well, I think
9: you know, I think you got to separate those
6: two for sure.
9: The Reds, I mean, you know, just despite the popular narrative, aren't trying to tank. They just stink, and they still have a hundred ten million dollar payroll. Uh, they let some guys go in the off season. They thought maybe their best days were behind them. You know, Wade Miley saw some pitch this year. Sonny Gray uh, is on the injury list. If they were just trying to tank and not lose, you know they would have traded, uh, you know, Castillo and some of their other guys. Uh, they would trade, uh, you know, Joey Votto. Uh, they have 17 guys on the injury list. I think it's just embarrassing. You know, I think <laughs> I think they wish people. I mean, I think they wish that uh, they were trying to lose on purpose, but they're not. Oakland, on the other hand, uh, they have about a, a 40 million dollar payroll. You know, getting 2,000 fans a night there. Uh, anybody's any good, they're letting teams know you can have them. Uh, when they were making those trades during the winter and spring, uh, ownership said, "Yeah, make make the best trade you can, but we don't want any players back who are making even major league minimum. We want those guys who are making no money at all, on minor prospects." Yeah, I mean that's become a joke. And that's why they let Bob Melvin go to save four million, and Billy Bean. Uh, if the Mets want to hire Billy Bean uh you know the A's would have celebrated getting rid of his eight million dollar salary so yeah I I think I think the A's are doing everything possible uh to get shoved out of Oakland and move to Vegas
1: so you think that's that that's that's what they're trying to do is trying to be the last they're their last sports franchise in Oakland they're trying to leave town
9: they may double the price of a lot of uh, season tickets including the bleachers uh you know hey you should almost let people in for free. Just charge for concessions and make some money. But, yeah, for the attendance that bad, uh, I don't think they're trying to keep their fans there. They really don't. It's almost like they're trying to find every excuse they can. Like, please let us move to Vegas. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have success there. I don't think that that move to Vegas will work. Uh, it can barely survive in Phoenix. Phoenix is the fourth largest city in the country. Uh, you're not going to go to Vegas in the summertime and go, go watch a baseball game.
1: no 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 you're not bob appreciate your time as always brother keep up the tremendous work and we'll talk to you soon bud
9: all right sounds great take care of me
1: yeah if the a's leave it'll be the first time in my lifetime there won't be a professional franchise in oakland they've lost the raiders they've lost the warriors who've gone back to san francisco where they used to play decades ago and now the a's are trying to get to vegas too woof we gotta take a timeout. Wrap up today's show. Get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hey, don't forget the Cajun Heartland State Fair is going to be here in no time. It's going to be great. May twenty sixth through June the fifth. And guess what? We Have ride tickets for you. That's right. You can score ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Simply text CHSF, that's CHSF to 68255. CHSF to 68255 for your chance to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Once again, it returns May 26th through June the 5th. I want to thank our guest today, James Yasko. From the Lehman Time Time Podcast, Mike Taitili, a draft expert, Nick Fondo, our semi-pro gambler, and Bob Nightingale, baseball reporter for USA Today. Final results of the poll question of the day: Who do you have the most confidence in winning their conference series this weekend? Thirty-six percent of you say LSU at Alabama. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parsa the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again Monday, six to nine. Until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.